Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. The draft is in two weeks. So what do we know? Or what do we think we know? We think DeAndre Hopkins will be traded if he is. Can Hollywood Brown be that number one receiver? Also, injury updates on Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, and Zach Ertz. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 642, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So two weeks from today, as we tape this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, is the 2023 NFL Draft. And I don't know about you, Danny, but I am more in the dark about what will happen. I think the longer this goes, maybe this is every year, but the more talk, the more that's written, the more that's said, it seems like every single scenario gets played out, and then we just kind of forget what everyone initially said about the draft. Yeah, it happens every year. But I do think it is in favor of the Cardinals that we don't really know what's going to happen because the silver lining is they have plenty of areas they can address in the draft, and they also have a lot of power with the third overall pick, whether that is selecting a player at that position, trading back, getting some draft capital, whatever that might entail, the Cardinals are in a pretty good spot to get a difference maker, at least one, maybe more than that, either this year or next year if a trade happens and there are some draft picks that are made between this year and next year's draft, the Cardinals find themselves in a good position. So I think it's okay that you don't really know what's going to happen because a couple good things can happen. Well, and bottom line is no one knows what's going to happen. I think... More people believe now that the Panthers will select Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. Odds makers, for those that factor into that and keep track of such things, he is, talking about Bryce Young, the odds-on favorite to go number one. The question is now all of a sudden is what do the Texans do at number two? Do you buy the facts <sighs> what has come up now in the last week, week and a half? I believe it was Peter King who initially brought up the fact that perhaps the Texans do not select the quarterback that is not number one, whether that's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and go Will Anderson or a defensive player with the second overall pick. Come on, Craig. I'm just throwing it out. Th- Again, it's another scenario. It's all smoke. Yes. That's what it is. The Texans have been too bad for too long to find themselves in a position where if if they feel like there is a quarterback, which up until recently it has seemed like they feel confident about the quarterback options they have, this is the time to do it in their rebuilding year and everything that's been going on. The only way I could see them not is if they feel so strongly about a quarterback for next year's draft, but then you're having to figure out where it is you will pick and you're going to probably have to make a trade to get up and get a quarterback and all these things and believe it or not teams don't really want to think that far in the future when it comes to draft picks in general for the most part when it especially when it comes to a quarterback if you need a quarterback and there's a good one there and you've got the second overall pick this is when you draft a quarterback they have two first round picks so 
I I really think there is a chance the Texans could trade up and get a higher second first round pick. But I I don't think that they draft a Will Anderson because I know that is what some of these mock drafts have now, that Will Anderson won't be available for the Cardinals at three. I just don't see the Texans making a move other than a quarterback. I don't either, but let's play the game here. I mentioned Peter King was the first that I saw, and then Albert Breer brought it up recently. In fact, earlier this week, writing on Monday, quote, I'm less convinced it'll be a quarterback than I was a month ago. And he mentioned that there was talk before that the Panthers jumped up to number one that Breer had heard that the Texans and Chicago Bears, who then had the number one overall pick, were in discussions about swapping places because the Texans wanted that number one pick because they are dead set on one player, one quarterback. And the belief is that it's Bryce Young. Now, if he's not there at number one, and you are not 100% convinced that it's C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, then yeah, you do take who is next up on your board, whether that's a need or not, and many believe that it is Will Anderson who the Texans have rated number one on their board. Now, that's best player available. That's why now all of a sudden, two weeks out, you're the Cardinals who everyone wants, most people believe, that if you stay at number three, you're taking Will Anderson. There could be some movement there as well. But now all of a sudden, if you're the Cardinals and you're sitting there at three and Will Anderson is off the board, what do you do? I understand that mindset, that reasoning, if that is what the Texans are doing. The timing out of it all just really feels like it's a bunch of smoke, truly, when it comes to other teams trying to make trades or players or positions they might be interested in. That's why I don't fully buy that. If you're the Cardinals, and that is what happens, and Will Anderson is off the board, assuming they are still at that spot, third overall pick, when they are on the clock night one. First of all, I mean, you can't do anything about that. Like, you're not going to make that trade up one spot. That that just doesn't make sense for the Cardinals of anything we've talked about over and over, how it would make sense for them to actually trade down. That's the unfortunate part of the business side of things. That that the way the cookie crumbles. That sometimes the player you want gets taken literally right before you. Again, though, the Cardinals have plenty of other needs they can address. There are other edge prospects in this draft that could make a difference. The Cardinals could go with a cornerback. Do I think they'll do that third overall? No. But if they do decide to trade down and get some more draft capital, and they're closer to the seven to twelve range. I think I'd be okay with them taking a top cornerback. Um, and, and the good news is, is they also have the high picks and the other rounds. So there are some positions that are pretty deep where you can get a high caliber player still on day two and rounds two or three that might need a little more time to fine tune their skills, but can still make a difference. I don't know if... Will Anderson possibly being off the board at three would have a drastic decision, play, play, like have a drastic role in the decision of trading down or not. But if he's not there at three and that was your plan, uh, if I'm Monty Ossifort, I'm grabbing that phone and I am calling everyone who's been interested and saying, tell me what you want. Give me your best offer. Because if that's the player you were set on and you feel like looking at your draft board overall, 
you can still have options. Again, probably within that 7 to 12 range to get a player that is high on your board while getting more picks, I'm making the move. 7 to 12. Is that is 12 the lowest you're willing to go? Well, How, well like, 12 is what, Texan? So I guess probably yes. to 11 to Tennessee. Because there is a, you know, you don't want to drop too far, right. even if the haul in picks that you get is so large, because then all of a sudden, instead of the number one tackle, the number one corner, you drop four, you drop too far, and all of a sudden it's the second best at whatever position that you're looking at. I don't recall exactly what it was. Paul Cavizian, our Cardinals Underground podcast this week, saw online a mock draft where there was a trade between the Cardinals and the Titans. And what they had offered was a swap, obviously, in first-round picks this year, and I believe it was like a second or third this year, and then for next year a first and a second or third. And to me, that would have been worth it. A good chunk to move down to 11. Again, you have a lot of needs that there would likely still be a good player for you to get at 11. I don't think I would go lower than that. And if I'm in charge of the Cardinals organization and I'm dropping down eight spots from three to 11, I'm making sure it's a haul. I'm, I'm getting my money's worth on that front. Um, ideally, if you're going to ask me the ideal situation, Craig, thanks for asking. Um, Will Anderson would not be drafted by the Texans, and the Colts would trade up one spot with the Cardinals, and the Cardinals would get some extra draft capital while still drafting a Will Anderson fourth overall. By the way, can we make sure or can we get you in the draft room to where you are running the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, if no, gosh. Care for what you wish for. For no other reason, just for the fun of it here <laughs> on Cardinals Cover 2. Can you, can two. you imagine – if I am in that room and a general manager makes a phone call and it is myself who picks up the phone, I say, hey, what's going on? Who is this? Oh, this is Danny Sarek. What can I do for you? What a prank. I don't think it'd be very funny. Maybe to maybe just to you and me. It would be funny not in the moment, but down the road, like how far down the road? We talk in seven, ten years for a future episode of Cardinals Folk Tales. I don't, if that, if I did that, I don't know that I would be around for a future episode <laughs> of Folk Tales, Greg. Dare to dream here on Cardinals Cover <laughs> Wait, 2. Wait, dare to dream that I'm in the war room or dare to dream that I'm not here for a Folk Tales episode in seven to ten the years? The former, not the latter? I'm just making wow. sure. Wow. Okay. By the way, I do think, as we can promote here that you and I will be on draft coverage Thursday, basically Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but there are draft specials on Thursday and Saturday. And a year ago, when we co-hosted the Draft Central show, we were prepared for a pick, didn't get that pick, got a trade. Hey, it was it was stunning, <laughs> to say the least, and everything that we had planned got thrown up in the air and we had to adjust on the fly. I am going to, I don't know, I'm not going to predict, but I'm going to be more ready this time around for the potential and perhaps the likelihood of a trade when the Cardinals are on the clock at pick number three. And then we will have to adjust and go to plan B, C, and D. You were not very happy last year when that happened. We did all this preparation. I had so much prep and so many papers and everything. Here's the difference, though, is that if the Cardinals were to make a trade, they're still going to have a first-round pick this year. That that was the difference of last year Correct. was you got Hollywood Brown from the Ravens, and it was great that Michael Bidwell flew him out right to the draft party with Paul Calvisi and all the fans, so it still had that feeling of, 
having a pick because you had a new player. Um, but from our standpoint, selfishly, I agree with you. I hope that the Cardinals do make a pick uh, in the first round, which they will. Um, and that'll that'll be good for us. We I, sh- I think we should clarify after that. We will not be in the war room, despite no. what Craig might have been hoping for. I've we'll never be in our foot in the. We will be in our brand new beautiful studio. Um, so be sure to to watch us. It's live stream. We're going to be able to take fan questions or comments before, during, after the pick, all that good stuff on a. And we'll we'll promote this more. But it's at AZ Cardinals on our Twitter and then the official Cardinals YouTube channel. Yeah, Cardinals Draft Central, big party on Thursday. There's going to be a draft party out at State Farm Stadium, but the party that you and I will be co-hosting on Thursday and then again on Saturday to wrap up everything that we had seen and all the talk, all the prep, and see how much we actually do know is going to happen or predict. Yeah, our party might not be as big as the one that Paul Calvisi is hosting out at State Farm Stadium, but it will be just as fun, Craig. I can guarantee that. And I can guarantee you that we will be talking about a draft pick in the first round. There is no way, there is no scenario out of all the scenarios that have been talked about, written about, there is no scenario in which the Arizona Cardinals do not have a first round draft pick in 2023. I agree. Again, they're they're in the position that they're in. Um, They have plenty of needs there. And the needs they have, for the most part, pretty deep with this year's draft class, which bodes well for the Cardinals. It'll just be interesting to see which which direction they go. Again, a lot of that depends on if they're going to stay at three or they're going to make a trade. To me, it's probably going to be in the trenches. Um, I think edge is your top priority. But it really wouldn't surprise me if dropping down a little bit in the first round, if instead of taking a cornerback, if they find an offensive lineman that they really like. Um, I know there are a couple tackles that are high on the list. I'm not really sure where the Cardinals feel that is a need. I think a lot of that depends on how, where they see Josh Jones's career progressing, if he's going to be your right tackle, um, if it's still going to be Calvin Beecham, and if that's the case, what are you going to do with Josh Jones? You want to keep him as a swing. Maybe one of these draft prospects is your future right tackle opposite of DJ Humphreys. Can you find an interior offensive lineman, maybe a guard that this team really needs to start thinking about the future and building around? And it, it's obviously a need to have a, a cornerback. So that really wouldn't you know, surprise me. But, but I also I don't think I'd be caught off guard, no pun intended, if the Cardinals took an offensive lineman in the first round. Line of scrimmage specifically, whether that's offense or defense, and obviously with this defense moving to a 4-3, we assume, based off what the Philadelphia Eagles ran with Jonathan Gannon at the helm a year ago, that you'll see more defensive linemen and the need for a defensive end, and certainly with the defensive tackle, because right now you just don't have that interior that interior pressure that you would hope that at this point, a Rashard Lawrence, a Lucky Fotu, who were former draft picks of yours, would be able to give you. A lot of that has just been they just haven't been readily available. And that's the big key for all of these players is you've got to be on the football field. And and that's the thing is with the amount of areas the Cardinals need to address with the cap space situation, it hasn't made sense for them to make all of these big splashes in free agency. So you're going to have to find players in the draft that can supplement the players you already have on this roster and help elevate each other. Moves are still going to be made after the draft. Free agency is is still a thing. 
So the Cardinals are going to have other veterans they're going to bring in. But they are in a prime position to use these draft picks to find players, specifically in the trenches, that can come and still make a difference with the veterans you already have on this roster. Cardinals have eight picks, and there's a potential to acquire more picks depending on what happens with a player that you currently have on the roster, and that is DeAndre Hopkins and this big mystery and what happens with D-Hop. Is he traded? I'm in the camp that he is. The question is when, to whom, and for what. But there is, again, you go back to scenarios. Cardinals are in position to keep D-Hop if they so choose. I'm curious because we know that Hop and Monty Austin Fort have met. That was earlier in the offseason. But we don't know what that conversation was. Was there a promise? Was there, hey, we'll do what's best for both of us? Or is, hey, if we can't find anything, sorry, Hop, you're under contract for the next two seasons, and we're just not going to give you away. It's very interesting because it's quite clear that he does not want to be here. If he hasn't made that clear enough, go look at his social media, and he keeps posting videos with the question, who do you want to see me play for next year? It's pretty much saying he doesn't want to play for the Arizona Cardinals. And to a certain extent, it's really not his decision. You're right. He is under contract. But especially with a player of his caliber and how many years he's been in the league, with things like this, these certain scenarios, teams do take into a certain account that respect um, and, and wanting to do what is best, not just for the team, but for the player and I think that's why you've seen all these talks about having trade talks and letting other teams talk to hop and and having that respect aspect there Um, I would think that if he's going to be traded you could probably get more bang for your buck before the draft because after the draft and as soon as the draft ends those the front office staff doesn't like you know, we're done, time to go home. Like, they are on the phone with agents and they are getting undrafted free agents. And again, other veterans throughout free agency, but when it comes to a trade by that point, teams have really filled their roster. And so now now you're having to wait for cuts to start to happen and then teams realizing they don't have what they need. And so I think you could probably get more for Hop if it happens before the draft. Maybe... A scenario we haven't talked about being prepared for when it comes to these live draft shows is maybe that is something that happens live in a trade. Maybe it's not just the Cardinals trading down. Maybe that is the day that a trade with four Hopkins for another team goes down. I could certainly see that as a package deal, if you will, to offset hey you know we'll include a player with the return of a higher draft pick. Maybe maybe not that number three overall that third pick because from reports that sounds way too high for what teams sound like they're willing to give hop is is you know to give a first rounder but maybe later on maybe it's second rounder a couple picks I don't know it's not very likely but I I mean at this point anything is possible as we inch closer and closer to the draft I do think it makes the most sense to get that trade done if you can before the draft Now, what happens if Hop is dealt not on this roster next season? Because I'm of the belief you are not a better football team without DeAndre Hopkins. You are a worse football team without DeAndre Hopkins. But I understand where the Cardinals are right now with the new coaching staff, new front office, 
and where Hopkins is in his career and perhaps not, not wanting to be a part of what is going on here in Arizona. I totally get that. Yet at the same time, you lose a DeAndre Hopkins. What do you have and what do you need to do? Because I know you're of the belief that potentially Hollywood can be that number one wide receiver. I have yet to see it. He's been very good. I just don't know if he is... Can he be that number one wide receiver to where the opposing team focuses all of their attention on him? Or does he need, like he had in Baltimore, a Mark Andrews? Does he need that second pass-catching option to kind of take some pressure off, take some of the spotlight off, and allow him to do what he does? Still a very capable wide receiver, but there's a big difference between receiver two, three, and four and that number one receiver that is always going to get the ball no matter what scenario and no matter whether or not you're covered or not. I don't disagree with any of the points you said. I I agree. This team is worse off without DeAndre Hopkins out on the field. I think it is very valid to question whether or not Hollywood Brown has that capability to be a number one wide receiver. He will not be a DeAndre Hopkins. That, that's not a fair comparison. I mean, by size alone and, and the careers they've had, even though Hop's been in the league for way longer. But that doesn't mean that Hollywood, I, in my opinion, can't still step up as a number one wide receiver like he was in Baltimore, like you said. He didn't step up in the way you needed him to last year. Accountability there. But at the same time, Craig, the offense was a dumpster fire. Yeah. Kyler Murray was not connecting with any of his receivers the offense had so much adversity that you had one offensive player start every single game and it was right tackle Kelvin Beecham you had significant amount of injuries you lost Zach Ertz you didn't have your wide receiver there was just you didn't have Hopkins for the first six games there were a lot of factors that without just sounding like I'm giving excuses that I really think limited what you were able to see out of Hollywood Brown Um, I would also think the offense is going to look really different, probably in terms of how it's called and how players are utilized this year. Assuming you have a healthy Zach Ertz, who's to say that that couldn't be what you had in a Mark Andrews to allow Hollywood Brown to go off. He has that speed. You you have some size now in Zach Paschal, who the Cardinals signed in free agency, who spent time both in Indianapolis and Philadelphia with head coach Jonathan Gannon. He has been more of a special teams player. And I think part of the reason was because he was behind such a stacked wide receivers room in Philly. So you have a little bit of size there, but that is really what you're missing if you don't have Hopkins on this roster. Antoine Wesley hasn't been re-signed, given he has that height. He's a little lankier than Hop is. But that, to me, is what you're missing. Your wide receivers room is pretty short. And I feel like I can say that because I'm pretty short. Literally and figuratively pretty short as far as depth and in the obvious height difference between receivers. Yes, but I I do think I agree with the points you were saying about what this team looks like without having Hopkins and that there hasn't been enough to truly have that full conviction that Hollywood Brown can be your number one wide receiver. I still have enough belief that he can if the rest of the offense can kind of get its you-know-what together and be cohesive. And I wonder how much, because you bring up Zach Paschal, who, again, in Philadelphia kind of got lost in the shuffle, but his three seasons prior to that with Indianapolis Colts targeted 72, 71, and 69 times. So he was a part 
of that Colts offense, and then it just he just he got lost in the shuffle in Philadelphia. But he is looking to kind of get back into that offensive mix. But I bring up wide receiver because when you have eight picks and perhaps you do lose a DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals this week, according to reports, are having a top 30 visit with TCU wide receiver Quinton Johnston, who is among the top two, top three wide receivers in this draft. Obviously not a consideration at pick number three, but do you drop down? Middle first round, late first round, early second round for a wide receiver? No. Sorry, carry on. Wide receiver in the first (laughs) round or second round? So for you, it's not even... It's not a first round consideration for me at all. What about top of the second round? Hmm. Look, I saying this as someone who is obviously not watching film in the same sense and evaluating players like a scout or somebody in the front office. Like, let's make that quite clear in an ideal. No, because you're world. running the team, so you have oh, people right. do your job. That I, job for I don't you. think I would take a wide receiver earlier than the third round. I think, depending on the players there, you have plenty of needs in the trenches: defensive tackle, interior offensive lineman, defensive end, cornerback. Those are all needs based on not just the need, you know, looking at the players already on this roster, looking at the depth in this draft class. You have, I feel like, enough wide receivers at this point where I feel like maybe you can find another veteran with that size. Like, I I just, I don't think that this wide receivers draft class is deep enough to where getting a wide receiver not in the first round or top of the second round, I'm not sure how much of an immediate impact player they are going to make. And to me, you have much greater needs to use in the first round or second round and really the third round than a wide receiver. I agree with you as far as needs, the immediate needs, but with the draft, it's also you're looking long-term. You get a first-round draft pick that's four years plus a fifth-year option, second round, third round, fourth round, and beyond, you get that player for four years. And you look, if DeAndre Hopkins is not on this roster, Hollywood Brown, last year of his contract, Rondell Moore, while he needs to be healthy because we really don't know what he's capable of doing. So you don't have that wide receiver in the room that you can say, oh, yeah, two, three, four years out, he's going to be our guy, at least right now. It's it's a lot of question marks, but to your point, no, wide receiver is there's edge, there's defensive end, there's defensive tackle, there's offensive tackle, center, offensive guard, before and cornerback before you get to wide receiver. But when you're the general manager, as you are, Danny, with the Arizona Cardinals, you're looking at that board, and when your name is up there, the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock, and you've got your top 100 or whatever it is, top 115, and you see that wide receiver who you have ranked as the 10th best prospect – that's hard to hard to move away from, even though you've got you know hole here, hole there, hole there, hole here. So I, I I get all that, and that's the discussions that are happening right now. That makes sense. That's a good point. That I don't think I'd probably put as much thought into as you have of thinking more about the future at that wide receiver spot specifically. I think for me, I'm just looking at the year this team is coming off of and the holes they have. That I think looking at those other spots fills both the immediate and long-term needs so you don't really find yourself in the same position that the Cardinals have found themselves in right now. That's the interesting part of the draft, of you find yourself in a position of it's drafting best player available or position of need. 
And sometimes that feels both. And sometimes it doesn't. And that is why I am glad I am not the general manager um, of an NFL team. No offense to the Cardinals, because that is a pretty big decision to be made. Because you have to ask yourself this question. Kyler Murray is your franchise quarterback. Who's he throwing the ball to in three or four years from now? That's a good question. Not just wide receivers like your tight ends. Is that going to be Trey McBride? Can he be that number one tight end when Zach Ertz decides to retire and spend time with his family? Without sounding like I'm just trying to push things off, I just feel like you have so many needs blasting. Right now they are just like the red light yes. is shining in your face that it's like not not to put that on the back burner by any means, but you just have so many other positions that you are desperate to fill. Right now you don't have a center who's had any NFL center snaps except for Yelda Froholt, who has, I believe, what, four games? Correct. That's a pretty big issue to me, Craig. Again, it doesn't matter who Kyler how, is throwing how, the ball to say, if he it, can't get the ball. That's word for word what I was going to say. <laughs> See, Craig, same page. We're right here, right here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's quickly touch on players that we do know that are on this team that are under contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Just some quick updates injury updates because the offseason strength and conditioning program is underway yes Kyler Murray is here no he's not participating with his teammates but the fact that he is in the building and according to head coach Jonathan Gannon right where he needs to be in his rehab I think is a huge positive sign for this Cardinals team again don't know when we'll see Kyler on the football field whether that's the offseason training camp or week one no idea but the fact that he is here around his teammates, continuing to rehab, great sign. And this is phase one. This is just workout. So offense is working out with offense. Defense is working out with defense. And they're doing some you know, strength and conditioning work out on the field as well. But there's no helmets. They're not practicing by any means. And this is all voluntary. I, like, I gave this um, caveat on Cardinals Underground. I'd like to share it too. That, and this really goes in general. But just because, whether that's like us or team account, just because a specific player is not being mentioned or they're not shown in a video does not mean that they're not here. And a reminder that this is the time that these players get to make up and be around their family. So a lot of them don't even spend the offseason in Arizona. And that's not just the Cardinals. That is every team in the NFL. You're not going to find a team where all the players stay. They, they have people that they trust and have been working out with for years and it's in their their home state and they get to be around their family so just because they're not first of all just because they're not in a video or not being talked about doesn't mean they're not here and even if they're not here doesn't mean they're not working out and doing what they need to do this is all voluntary this is phase one of the workouts but it is great you're right to see these players get back together get to work with the new strength and conditioning and sports medicine staff to see Kyler Murray Zach Ertz who aren't doing the workouts but are going through rehab here feels good football is inching closer at this point and who's to say if you were not spotted or seen on Monday when the oh, excuse me on Tuesday when the offseason program began but you're here Wednesday Thursday Friday the rest of the time you know we're not down there every single day taking attendance 
So to your point, yeah, it's if you don't see in the photo galleries or don't the video or whatever out. or on social media posts, doesn't mean they're not here. They just might not be spotted on that given day. But you bring up Zach Ertz, had a chance to hear from him. He is well on his way to perhaps being ready week one after tearing his ACL and undergoing surgery in November. But it was interesting to hear him say, yeah, week one is the goal. But he wants to be able to practice during training camp and not just say, all right, it's week one. Maybe I had a couple of days of practice leading up to the game versus late August. I think he wants to get, I don't know how many days, but he wants to be on that football field in training camp with the goal of week one and not step foot for the first time on the field with his teammates in a practice setting here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. He wants to do that at State Farm Stadium during training camp. Well, that makes complete sense to me. You want to get back out there and practicing football, I would imagine, feels very different than just going through rehab and feeling okay. And I think that ties in really nicely with what head coach Jonathan Gannon and the few times he's talked to the media has already brought up a handful of times. And that is making sure that players are not just physically, but also mentally ready to return. In his words with the media this week, he he reminded us that the players are going through car crashes every week. That's what's happening to their bodies. And so when you're also coming off an injury, you want to make sure that the player trusts themselves and trusts their body, that they can go 100%. And that's not necessarily just something that you can say, okay, I'll do that. And it's going to be that simple, especially coming off a significant injury like Ertz and Murray with those ACLs and having to miss so much time and and that recovery takes a long time on average a you know a shorter recovery is what roughly 10 months that's that's still a long time so to get back out there and practice football I'm sure feels very different I like the fact that they are making it very clear that they're going to take that mental side of things into consideration to make sure that the player feels comfortable and they're being put out there in a position to be successful. And that mental side is something that I don't think a lot of people, and I put myself in that category as well, sometimes don't always think about or when you look at a timetable, four to six weeks, four to six months, whatever it is for whatever injury, you're right. Okay, yeah, I am healed physically, but am I hesitant when I'm going out on the football field to do football activities Do I have the confidence to be able to do what I could do prior to the injury? And I think that's what a lot of people think or point to with Kyler Murray, especially is he going to be as free wheeling when things don't go well, the pocket breaks down, he takes off and runs immediately. It's what sets him apart. But now with this first significant injury that he has suffered early in his career, how does he adjust? Does he adjust and that he doesn't have an answer to that I don't have an answer to that we're not going to know until we actually see him on the football field and that's why I don't have a problem with being told by the coaching staff that there is no timetable for his return and I know people don't like to hear my answer in that and I understand why it is important to ask that question I do but it's not fair for the players to go out and put on the record this is the timetable for them to return because you don't know what's going to happen they can do everything right they can work closely with the training staff and they can everyone who has a hand in the rehab process can do the right thing and everybody's body responds differently and same with the mind and I like the fact that we're not having a hard timetable set for your franchise quarterback to return 
to where he feels like he is under pressure so that if he doesn't return by the timetable that is set, well, suddenly he's lazy and he doesn't want to play and he just wants to get money without actually doing the work and all these things that we know people are going to say about him. I like not putting that hard timetable on Kyler Murray so you can actually let him progress the way that he needs to and rehab and be ready to go 100% physically and mentally when that time comes. It can be frustrating for the media, the fans, when you don't know when a player may return. Yet at the same time, if you do put that timetable and it goes a day, a week past that, you're like, okay, well, what happened? Well, nothing happened. My body heals differently than your body heals. And maybe I'm not quite ready. I always like the fact that, yeah, if it's an athlete says, you know what, I'm feeling good. All right. As the trainer or whomever, the doctor, come back to me in four days. Because now all of a sudden it's you're giving that player more time mentally, not physically, but going back to that mental conversation to make sure that they are ready to go back on that football field. No one wants to rush because when you rush, that's when you suffer a setback or you injure, re-injure something else, and then that puts you on the shelf for maybe the rest of the season or you don't even get on the football field. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – and that's true with all injuries, not to like put my dad on blast, but I think like my dad's had like major like back surgeries. And like think about like anyone who's listening if you've had any of that. Like some some weeks you go through the process, you get surgery, you go through physical therapy, you do what you need to do, you feel great. And then other weeks it's like, oh, like I feel a little more sore. I don't feel as great this week. Like I'm going to slow things down. Like that's normal. I think it's so easy to forget that these athletes – uh, in large part to athletes like Buda Baker who have special blood or healing powers that at the end of the day, like they are still people who are recovering from physical injuries. And while we love to see them week after week, sometimes that's just not feasible with the injuries they're recovering from. The one player that according to JG is ready to go and ready to go right now. And that is quarterback Colt McCoy, who again, we still do not know what happened we were told by owner Michael Bidwell on the Day Patch podcast back in February that Colt would be limited this offseason due to an undisclosed injury, but apparently whatever that injury is will not keep Colt off the field this offseason. At least that's the expectation now, which is good because if you don't have Kyler Murray, now all of a sudden are all eyes going to be on David Blau this entire offseason and into training camp to be maybe your week one starter if Kyler is not back. The quarterback situation is very intriguing to me. Is the plan to just have a competition between Colt McCoy and David Blau, in which Colt McCoy would likely win that competition, and he is your backup quarterback, your starting quarterback for the first roughly four-ish weeks that Kyler Murray is expected to miss next season? I think I would be okay with that. I think I would need to see how the rest of the offense well, look, because there's a chance that you could still be missing some significant pieces. I think I'd be okay with Colt McCoy. The question is, did they re-sign David Blau with the thought that you're going to find, and they likely will, either draft late or sign after the draft another young quarterback and, and they'll fight for a, a spot in the depth chart. Is the plan to have a quarterback be your starter for those first couple weeks without Kyler Murray, who's not on the roster? It's intriguing. I think there's a couple questions there of like, how is the rest of the league going to shake out? But I think if this offense, you can really have a strong offensive line set, whether that is through the draft, 
or veterans you're going to sign later on, depending on what you do with the wide receiver situation and where DeAndre Hopkins is playing in this league, assuming you have Zach Ertz back. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but I think if you can kind of get things under control offensively, I think I would feel okay with Colt McCoy as your starting QB for the first couple weeks. The question was asked to JG on Tuesday about would it be Colts and Blau battling for the backup position, back up to Kyler Murray. He gave a great coach's answer. Quote, everything is a competition, <laughs> which basically shut down any conversations or follow-ups that you could have with that answer. So, yes, a first-year head coach, but a very veteran response from Jonathan Gannon. But we'll keep asking these questions because it's the same questions, Bird Gang, that we have here on Cardinals Cover 2. Going back to Zach Ertz, though, before we exit stage left, so to speak, I'm going to say this, and I believe, Danny, you'll agree with me. If Ertz, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> if Ertz is going to take credit for John Rahm's Masters win, then I see why, no reason why, our own Danny Sarek cannot take credit for the starts of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Please explain for our young and old listeners. Sure. Um, I had said that before baseball season started, I wanted to try to get back into liking baseball. I love going to baseball games in person. Don't really enjoy watching them on TV. They've been a little slow, and I know there's a pitch clock now. And at one point in my career, I worked in baseball. I worked... I didn't um, know that. Mm-hmm, I worked baseball games. And so when you're editing, <laughs> and you're already like a pretty mad baseball fan... And you're working like a West Coast game that's delayed or an extra innings. And suddenly you're working 13 or 14 hours editing every single pitch. Kind of doesn't make you really love baseball that much more when you didn't have a big love for it to begin with. So I took a break and I decided now is the time that I'm going to get back into liking baseball. I went to a spring training game, which was a lot of fun out in Mesa to see the Cubs play. And I went to the Diamondbacks home opener, which was a blast. The roof was open. The weather was beautiful. And while I have been doing the best I can to, to keep up with the team, you know, following them on social media, I now have the MLB app on my phone. I have wow. notification, right? I'm not really paying too close attention, but I'm trying I'm not really watching a lot of baseball on TV quite yet, but I am making an effort. Um, and I'm trying to do a little bit with the Texas Rangers. I couldn't really decide of like if I'm going to try to get back into liking baseball, which of the two teams do I go one with? One National League team, one American League team, you're fine. Oh, they're in different? Yes. Oh, okay, then that's fine. Uh, see, I'm learning. <laughs> see, this is I'm just taking in all this new knowledge. Um, but I am making an effort, and I believe the Diamondbacks are doing pretty well in the standings, correct? They are, and even though you were at the home opener and they lost that yes, game. Yes, they did. Your presence has spurred this team to a 5-2 and two record since the home opener. So I just shouldn't go anymore. And an 8-5 and five record overall. They lead the National League West, and they have the fifth best record in all of baseball. No kidding. Go Diamondbacks. See? Whatever you touch turns to gold. Oh, Craig. Elmo, can we get that for the open for next season for the radio shows, please? Whatever happens come week one, Kyler Murray, who knows? Zach Ertz, who knows? But Danny and I, yes, we will be ready for week one and that opening for the Arizona Cardinals kickoff show. Who knows what our fine producer will put in that open? I'm scared. 
That's what I've learned from last year is that <laughs> nothing I say is safe. Even when we're just chit-chatting before, that's what most of the funny stuff comes out of that Omo likes to use and like the radio show opens are not even things I'm saying when we are recording a show. It's when he's pressed record unbeknownst to me and I'm just chatting away with you guys. It's fascinating. I'm glad you find it fascinating, Craig. I enjoy it. You got to say anything else so you be you know that, that so we can get on that pregame open? No, are I you done? I think so. Okay. I, am I okay? Sure. I guess I'm done. <laughs> Wrap it up, Craig. All right. Because Danny said so. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to the aforementioned executive producer Joe Mamahandro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover Two.